X marks the spot. So I want to talk about the letter X here before we jump into the sermon. Uh, in Greek, the letter X uh, is chi. Uh, it's the word chi. And uh, chi is the, the first letter of the name Christ. So in Greek, Christos begins with the, the chi. And so when you see Mary Xmas, you know, at Christmas time, Mary Xmas, uh, it's really not a reason to be offended. I mean, I, I understand we want to see Christ, but the, the, the chi stands for Christ. So the, the letter X, the chi, if you just look at it, it's an interesting shape. You've got two converging lines to a point, and then at that point, the lines diverge. In literature, there's a, a literary pattern called the chiastic pattern. And so there's these events that, that converge to a moment where something happens. And that thing that happens is so profound, so significant that afterwards, things are entirely different than what happened before. So X marks the spot. We're going to be looking through the scriptures at those moments in scripture where something happened that was so explosive, so profound, that life was forever changed afterwards. Now, our lives are all punctuated by those moments. We have a lot of people here who are of different ages, and, and we have experienced those chiastic moments, those moments where something happens and our life changes as a result. The world literally shifts in that moment. Uh, so, for example, do you remember where you were when? Uh, is there anyone here old enough to remember where you were when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor? Don't be ashamed if you are. I asked my mom, she was three years old at the time, so she doesn't remember. That was a, a chiastic moment for our country. The world shifted that day. And things afterward were f forever different because of what happened on that day. Let, let's move up in history. Uh, do you remember where you were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? Raise your hand. A lot more people who remember that day. For our country, that was a chiastic moment, a significant moment where things changed. Where Martin Luther King was assassinated, do you remember where you were? How about when uh, Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon? Yep. How about in 1986? Are those jelly beans coming down the aisle? <laughs> All right. Tom, enjoy. Dusty, Janet, you're going to have a whole bunch of jelly beans here in a few minutes. The day Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon, a chiastic moment for our country. Suddenly things became possible. There was hope about possibilities. How about 1986? when the space shuttle Challenger, I believe it was, exploded. In more recent memory, 9-11, 2001, do you remember where you were? That was a day that our world changed. Uh, I remember, every time I go through airport security now, I'm reminded, our world changed 20 years ago. That'll be 20 years ago today. The last time that I, I experienced this, do you remember where you were when, is actually very recently. Do you remember where you were March 11th, 2020? 
Anybody remember? It was a Wednesday. And my family, we were here at our community supper. We have a, a cheese guy from Wisconsin, Roy the Cheese Guy, who delivers us cheese. If you ever want to get hooked up, talk to me. And we invited him to our community supper. And so we were downstairs having supper. Earlier that day, the World Health Organization uh, announced that, uh, declared that COVID was a pandemic. Dr. Fauci had appeared before a, a house committee and he was asked the question, are things gonna get worse? I think at that time, 31 people had died. He said, things are gonna get much worse. And we came here to family night and we did, did family night. We went home and then it seemed like news story after news story broke. President Trump announced to the nation that he was suspending all air traffic, incoming air traffic from Europe. There was an NBA game that was just about ready to, to tip off and right before tip off, they, they canceled the game. I mean, the dominoes just fell one after another. Then we learned that that night that Tom Hanks and his wife, I think they were in Australia at the time, had COVID. And suddenly COVID was beginning to feel like a, a real thing. I don't need to tell you that our, our world shifted uh, about a year ago and that things changed for us and that we are still living in the, the shockwave of some of that change. So this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna attach a wide angle lens to our camera as we look through it at scripture. And we're gonna look at those moments, those punctuated moments in scripture, those X marks the spot moments where things change, those chiastic moments. So join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, everything that we need to know for life and faith is, is recorded for us in your word. So we pray that you'd open our eyes, you would open our ears to the truth of what you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So looking through that wide-angle lens, we need to go to the far left of the frame of that picture. We're going to go back to a, a time where we've never been. And the Bible describes that time as in the beginning. In the beginning, creation. According to God's revealed word, word, history actually has a beginning, which means there was a time when we were not. There was a time when the world was not. There was a time when the sun, the moon, and the stars were not. We exist today because of something God did a long time ago. We exist today because God desires us to exist today. God spoke this world and spoke us into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first day he said, let there be light. And there was light and it was good. And then on the second day, God said, let the, the waters above and the waters below be separated and let sky appear, and it was so. And then on the third day, he said, let dry ground appear and let that dry ground produce vegetation, and it was so. And God said, it was good. And then on the fourth day, God created two great lights, one to govern the day, one to, cover, to govern the night, and he created the, the stars on day five, he created living creatures to swim in the water. He created the birds of the sky, and it was good. 
And then on day six, he created the wild beasts and all the living animals of the land. And at the end of that, he did one more thing. And it was a chiastic moment. It was a moment where his creation changed. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Nothing else was created like that. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And God saw that it was very, very good. The description Big Bang is a bit understated to describe that chiastic moment. But it does describe how explosive this historic event was. The world didn't change that day. The world came into existence that day, and it was very good. Do you remember when? Do you remember when this happened? Of course we don't. But think about Adam and Eve. Think about Eve coming to Adam. Adam, do you remember when our eyes first met? Uh, Eve, uh, how could I forget? You didn't have any clothes on. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I remember. God placed Adam and, and Eve into this beautiful garden. It was a paradise where, where they lived together in absolute harmony, serenity, joy, peace. They were, the, the scripture says, they were naked and unashamed. And by that word naked, they don't just mean physically naked. They were naked at the soul level, at the spiritual level. They had nothing for which to be ashamed, nothing for which to hide, completely known and completely safe. Doesn't that sound good? Completely known, nothing to hide, nothing for which to be ashamed, and completely safe. You and I can't remember when. We have no recollection of, of this life in this garden when all was right, when all was good, when there was nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be ashamed of, nothing for which to hide. We have no recollection of that wholeness and that fullness. And yet, I believe, and scripture says, that God has placed within each of us an instinct of that time. God has placed within each of our hearts eternity, a sense that there is something more. We yearn for it. There is a hunger that we have today for that time, to be back at that time. This is the full life. This is the abundant life. This is the good life for which God created us. But this life, as you know, was short-lived. The next chiastic moment, the next life-altering, world-changing event happened shortly after creation. We call it the fall. Satan a fallen angel himself, lured Adam and Eve into believing that there was something better, that there was something even greater than, than what God was offering them. There was something sweeter that God was withholding from them. And in, ex in order to experience this, they would have to disregard what God had told them. They would have to, to kind of chart their own course, 
And so, throwing caution to the wind, they bit deep into the fruit. They, beat, they bit deep into this lie that life would somehow be better if we can live it on our own terms. If we can set the boundaries, if we can rise above our station and declare what is good and what is bad, life's going to be better. Today, we have the same vain attempt. God has given us his word. He's declared for us the, the way that we are to go, and, and Satan lures us into believing we know better. We know better than God. We, we want to chart our own course, set our own boundaries, declare what is good and bad, thinking that somehow God is withholding something from us, and if we just go our own course, we're going to find it. That yearning that we have deep in our hearts, we think we know the way to satisfy it. We bite deep into the lie. God could have ended the experiment right then. God could have said, you know what, this isn't working out so well. Creating these people in my image and my likeness, they just want to go their own way. God could have just washed his hands clean from our filth. But instead, God chose to do the complete opposite. He chose to enter into our filth, which is the next chiastic moment in Scripture. The next X marks the spot. We call it incarnation. The prophets foretold it. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when you think about it, it happened very quietly. There were a, a couple of shepherds watching their, their flocks in the fields at night, and some angels appeared to them and said, Behold, today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord, and, and those few shepherds went to see it. Mary and Joseph, they were there. There were some, some magi who had come from the east that God had, had revealed through the, the heavenlies that a king was born, and they came and they saw Jesus. But outside of these handful of people, it was a quiet moment, but it was a momentous occasion, a historic occasion. It was a chiastic moment. God becomes one of us, and he comes to us with a very defined purpose. He came to make right that which had gone wrong, that which had become corrupted in us and in this world. He came to usher in a new kingdom. He came to reorient the world in its proper alignment with God. He came to, to reconcile us to God so that, again, we could be at peace with God. His mission was glorious. But the means of accomplishing that mission were dreadful. About 33 years later, after his incarnation... Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the world, hung on a wooden cross, his wrists impaled to the horizontal beam, his feet impaled to the vertical beam, and there he breathed his last. Crucifixion. Today, for us, the cross is a thing of beauty. We hang it in our churches. We put it on our, our chains around our neck, maybe even tattoo it into our arms or our legs. We name our churches after it. 
Today, the cross is a thing of beauty, but the only reason the cross is beautiful today is because the tomb was empty. It's the only reason that makes that cross beautiful. There was nothing beautiful about the cross. It was an instrument of death, and not just any death, the most undignified, uncivilized death that we can imagine. It was a curse. The cross was a curse. Crucifixion was reserved for the vilest of criminals, and it was done publicly so as to intimidate everybody watching. Don't cross the line or else you might end up like this. Pontius Pilate interrogated Jesus, asked him three different times, different questions, and declared, I have found that he's done nothing wrong, nothing deserving of death. Pontius Pilate was absolutely right. But the wickedness of humanity was on full display when they shouted louder and louder, crucify, crucify. And they began to barter with Pilate that he would release to them the vilest of criminals, Barabbas, and crucify the Son of God who was altogether righteous. So Pilate handed him over. Jesus was stripped, was beaten, was spit on, was mocked and slandered. He had a crown of thorns pressed into his head. And he was led to Golgotha, to Calvary's Hill. There his wrist impaled to the cross, his feet nailed, lifted up between two criminals. The sky grew dark, the earth trembled, and he died. And the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom. Joseph of Arimathea took his lifeless body, laid it in a tomb, sealed that tomb with a large rock. The light of the world was extinguished. For three long days, the disciples commiserated together in a room. Hope had, had died. What now? What now? Jesus, our hope, has died, and hope died with him. He'd saved others. He didn't even bother to try and save himself. Though he was innocent of any wrongdoing, he died the death of the vilest of offenders. And then three days later, on a Sunday morning, it happened. And when I say it, I mean the, the greatest chiastic moment this world has ever known the most profound, world-changing, life-altering event that has ever happened. Luke records it this way. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and then on the third day be raised again. Do you remember where you were when 
Peter, do you remember that time that you were fishing and he called out to you from the shore and you recognized in his voice that it was the Messiah and you jumped out of the boat and you couldn't get to shore fast enough. You swam as fast as you could. Peter, do you remember that? Thomas, do you remember how we told you that he was alive and you didn't believe us? You said, unless you put your hands into his sides, you wouldn't believe. And then he appeared to you and said, Thomas, come, touch me. You disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, do you remember when, when this stranger came up and walked with you and began to expound the scriptures to you and your hearts burned within? And you invited him into your home and when he broke bread and gave thanks, your eyes were opened and you recognized it's him. It's the Messiah. Do you remember when you were all gathered together and Jesus gave you some final words? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've commanded you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. He said, be my witnesses here in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then do you remember how he ascended? right in front of your eyes? On that Sunday morning, the cross became beautiful. The candle of hope was relit. God was alive. Now, there's one more event in Scripture, one more chiastic event, and to see it, we've got to look now at the far right side of the, the frame of our wide-angle camera. It's called the return. Jesus said, if I go... I will return, and it's going to happen in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye. And on that day, the curse of sin will be vanquished from this earth. On that day, there will be a new heaven, a new earth. On that day, the paradise that only Adam and Eve knew will be restored. These are the chiastic moments of Scripture. These are the world-changing, life-altering events. And there's two more that we need to talk about, and they pertain only to you, to nobody else. The scripture says that there is a day that is appointed for each one of us to die. There's a day on your calendar, circled on your calendar, where you will die, and then comes judgment. That's a chiastic moment. That's a life-changing, world-changing moment for you. That, that your future is dependent on that day. And what is it dependent on? It's dependent on another chiastic moment. It's that moment where you choose to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. Jesus described it as being born again. Being, be, it's a rebirth. It's not the, the date of your first birth, the date on your license. It's the date where the, the Spirit indwells you where you cross from death to life. Every single one of us, it is unavoidable. We are going to die and we are going to stand before God. And the great thing about that is that we have the opportunity to have Jesus stand right next to us. The same Jesus who died on the cross for us. The same Jesus who is fully capable of paying whatever debt it is that you owe on that day. And so the way we, we know that that to be true is we make arrangements now. We ask Jesus to, to wash us. Remember uh, this past Thursday, we were in the upper room 
Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and he came to Peter, and Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus said to Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. This is the only way I have to wash your feet. And I said this past Thursday, the fact is, I don't want anyone to wash my feet. I want to wash my own feet. And I don't want to have anyone die for me. I'd rather die for, for my own sins, but, but I can't wash my feet. I need someone to do for me what I can't do. You need someone to wash your sins. You can't do it. You could leave this place today and say, you know what, I'm going to try harder. I haven't tried hard enough. I haven't given it my best effort to really follow God. And I think the experiment would be pretty short-lived. Eventually, we get confronted with the fact that that, that brokenness is within us. We need a Savior. And so there is a chiastic moment that might be on your calendar. And that would be the day that you choose, Lord, I, I need you. Wash me of my sins. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Join me as we pray. Father God, uh, we are so grateful again for your word. And that time and time again in your word, we see how you have intervened for us. Lord, the, the truest thing about us today is not that we are, are sinful and filthy. The, the truest thing about us today is that you created us in your image and in your likeness. That you love us and that you desire us to, to be. We exist because of your desire. So Lord, we thank you for everything that is beautiful in us that you've created and that you have never stopped loving us all the way to the cross. We thank you for making the cross beautiful. Lord, may this be the day of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name.